0: or online at victoriassecret.com
3: Hey, dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today.
4: Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio.
2: Hello and welcome to Criminalia, where we dig deep on crimes of the past to uncover their hidden angles. And right now we are all about the lady
4: poisoners.
2: I'm Maria Tremarki. And I'm Holly Fry. This week, we're going to talk about Sarah Bassett, who perhaps is better known as Sally Bassett or even sometimes as Sorry Bassett. Um, We're going with Sally because it's how she's known throughout folklore and where she's from to many, she's a hero. So Sally was an enslaved woman who was executed in 1730 for allegedly attempting to poison her granddaughter's enslavers.
4: And today, Sally is a well-known figure among Bermudians. And as we mentioned, she is part of the island's folklore. But the historical significance of her story remains open to interpretation, and it differs depending on who you talk
2: to. So to some people, she could have been an innocent victim, unjustly accused of an act she never committed. But to others, she represents the fight against the injustices of slavery. One thing is absolutely for certain. The story of
4: Sally Bassett's life gives us a look into the complex dynamics of race, gender, and medical knowledge in the Caribbean and islands nearby during the 18th century.
2: Today, it's a self-governing British territory, but back in the 18th century, Bermuda was a British colonial island. Uh, Bermuda had no indigenous population and its first inhabitants were three survivors of the wreck of the British ship, the Sea Venture, who decided they would stay even when they had the opportunity to leave the island. And three years later, it became a British territory. It remains so today.
4: Although in 1612, the settlers were British and consequently white, the island's population pretty quickly became racially and culturally diverse. And that was because of two things. One, the slave trade was flourishing at this time in history. And two, a sizable influx of immigrants from Portugal and the West Indies also came to the island.
2: So within about four years of the British settlement, Bermuda became the first British colony with a significant indentured population. It was mainly black and mainly due to the tobacco trade. Um, But by the end of the 1600s, almost one third of the roughly thousand inhabitants of a parish called St. George. There are nine parishes on the island and many had been enslaved from Africa.
4: Today, many of Bermuda's 61,000 residents
2: can trace their roots to British, African and Caribbean lineage. And Sally Bassett was a woman who was enslaved on the island of Bermuda, but there's no record of whether or not she was born there or she came to be there through the booming slave trade at the time. Um, And actually, there's there's no record at all of when or where Sally was born. What
4: we do know about her and her story is more from the legends surrounding her than perhaps from the cold, hard facts of her life. But Sally's race is one thing that we do know. And to be black at this time in a British colony pretty much meant you were enslaved.
2: So let's step back for a moment to talk about how we talk when we talk about slavery. The language that's acceptable among and regarding people of color has evolved over the last century and thankfully continues to evolve. So
4: historically, the now very outdated term mulatto has been used to describe someone of mixed African and European ancestry, often specifically as a way of describing someone who is believed to be one half African ancestry and one half European ancestry. Herself, a woman of color and specifically mixed race, Sally would have been, in this time, called a mulatto. And that is how a lot of the writing about
2: her continues to describe her. That term today is considered antiquated and really disrespectful. Um, for for one, it's derived from the Spanish word for mule, um, because that animal is a cross between a horse and a donkey. And once you think about it in those terms, it becomes pretty apparent why we don't use it.
4: Yeah, it is super derogatory. Uh, Mixed-race women at this point in time were considered often to approximate the white ideal of female attractiveness, meaning they often looked white, but they were legally black, and they were commonly depicted as seductresses, and they were
2: vulnerable to being raped by an enslaver or, frankly, anybody. They had no power. So you'll hear when we talk about slavery that we've moved away from the idea of the terms slave and owner or master. Um, Instead, we use language like an enslaved person and Enslaver. Um, Otherwise, we just continue to reduce enslaved people to a commodity rather than recognizing that it's a person who has had this imposed upon them.
4: Sally's enslavement history begins for us when she was enslaved by a blacksmith named Francis Dickinson. That was in Pembroke Parish, which is the busiest and most popular of the nine parishes on the island of Bermuda. He may or may not have been her first enslaver. Again, there is very little recorded information specifically about her life, as well as many other enslaved people that has made it through the
2: centuries. So, when Francis died in 1726, his children inherited his property. And that included Sally Um, just a few years later. um, And now an elderly woman, Sally was considered because of her age, we quote, useless.
4: Many enslaved women at this time were skilled as healers. And in addition to their enslavement, they also provided essential care, not only to the enslaved community, but they were also called on often to treat the white inhabitants of the island as well. And it was not uncommon for enslaved women to have medical knowledge from West Africa or the West Indies or to learn its traditions just from each other. It was like a passed down form of knowledge. Sure, sure. And it is said that Sally was allowed to continue her healing practices, even though she had become useless in all other ways, according to their uh, judgments.
2: Yeah. Anyway, um, what we do know is that during the late 1720s across Bermuda, the white community was beginning to accuse enslaved people on the island of poisoning them, whether that was true or not. During this time, there was no way to ensure an enslaved
4: person would not try to poison an enslaver under the guise of medical treatment. But there also really wasn't a good way to discern whether or not a person was the victim of poison, or if they were just experiencing a naturally occurring disease.
2: Lots of similar symptoms. Um, So many alleged poisoners were actually very important in the households where they lived. They were cooks, they were nursemaids, and they had other domestic duties in white homes. It wouldn't have been difficult to sprinkle a little extra seasoning into the soup, if you know what I mean.
4: Yes, but often they were also scapegoats. Um, I think probably more
2: often than not, they were scapegoats. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And because her story can be a bit fuzzy, there are other records which suggest that at some point after Francis Dickinson's death, Sally became considered the property of a new enslaver. That was Thomas Forster. And Thomas was a man of means. He was a white mariner And he was the grandson of the former governor of Bermuda, Josias Forster. Her
2: granddaughter, Beck, was absolutely enslaved by the Forster family. For reasons
4: that we cannot even begin to know, just before Christmas in 1729, Sally made a deadly powder for Beck to use against the Forsters. Some speculate something specific must have happened to Beck, And others theorized that it was revenge for the punishments that she had
2: already suffered while enslaved. Either way, Sally prepared two bags of poison. She instructed her granddaughter to keep one bag open in the kitchen, presumably so the family could inhale the contents. And the other was to be laced into the family's food. So Thomas and his wife Sarah fell seriously ill because of the poison, as did another enslaved woman named Nancy, who discovered what was left in the kitchen. When
4: Beck appeared unaffected by the illness that had struck the Forster household, she was immediately accused of poisoning the family. And she confessed that, yes,
2: her grandmother had given her the poison. Fast forward to when this goes to trial. Beck described the various poisons that Sally had made for her. Um, It sounds scandalous that she gave up the family matriarch, but speaking out against her grandmother was probably Beck's way of bargaining for her own life. Purely a speculation as well,
4: There is also the possibility that Sally instructed her to do so for that very reason. Absolutely. According to the trial records, Bassett gave her granddaughter a poison containing rat's bane, And that is, as the name suggests, a rat poison, manchineal root, which is also called by the name death apple, Mm. and an ingredient known as white toad, which is actually a very interesting addition to the mix. And when we come back from the break, let's talk about why. Yes. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But... That also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order.
0: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made-to-be-seen very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. And now in this season's must have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition bombshell escape fragrance, a free spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com.
4: Your home should be your haven and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night, and I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Simply Safe has been named in U.S. News and World Reports best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. By partnering with Simply Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive twenty percent off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminalia. That's simplysafe S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com/criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
1: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us.
2: Welcome back to Criminalia, where we're talking about the life of accused poisoner Sally Bassett. So white toad, which
4: we mentioned before the break and which literally came from toads that were white, was not a substance that would have been found in Bermuda at this time, mainly because white toads were not indigenous to the island. It was the skin of these toads that contained toxins and served in small doses. It could act as a fairly benign muscle relaxant, while a large dose is said to have been capable of causing respiratory failure
2: and other serious symptoms. Poisonous toads, and in the case specifically of white toads, uh, they were commonly used in ceremonies in areas of West Africa, and their use was carried into the voodoo traditions in what's now uh, Haiti in the West Indies.
4: Throughout the Caribbean, these traditions were usually known as obeah, which is something a bit more than folk medicine and a bit different than Western religious practices.
2: It was commonly practiced among the enslaved communities around the Caribbean islands, and it's thought to have originated in West Africa, actually. Um, Evidence of its practice was found throughout the islands since British occupation began in the mid-17th century. Um, And Sally's use of these imported poisons suggests that she, too, was knowledgeable.
4: Those who practiced these traditions were known to aid with romantic relationships, legal troubles, and evil spirits, and they did this using spells or charms called fetishes.
2: So fetishes were commonly things like tinctures that were placed in pouches or mixtures of herbs and dirt or animal and human body matter, such as hair, blood and nail clippings or other bodily fluids that they kept in bottles. Sometimes it could be an article of clothing worn in a strategic or specific place on the body, too. To
4: acquire an important ingredient like white toad, an enslaved person would have to have asked for a favor from a mariner. And that mariner would be able to get it on their routes to West Africa and northern South America, where the toads could commonly be captured
2: or cultivated. What we can surmise here is that the mariner would also have to have been black and enslaved because Sally would never have been able to ask a white mariner for such a favor. Um And the Mariner would have been familiar with these ingredients. He probably would have assumed he was supplying a spiritual practitioner, a tool against her enemies. Not that it would be used as a poisonous cocktail.
4: Sally's granddaughter, Beck, was not the only person to testify against Sally in court. Sarah Forster testified against her at the trial, but because they were both unwell, neither Thomas Forster nor their enslaved servant Nancy did. Nine additional unnamed white Bermudians also testified against Sally. We do not have an account of what that testimony included. We can only begin
2: to speculate on it. We do know... That Sally's reputation did precede her, though. Roughly sixteen years before she was accused of poisoning the Forster household, Sally was accused by Captain John Jennings of threats, property damage, and poisoning livestock. She was found guilty at that time and sentenced to being quote whipped through the parish, which was likely a sentence that could have involved more than a hundred lashes.
4: At her trial at the State House in Saint George in June seventeen thirty, Sally was accused of, quote, horrid villainy and of being, quote, evil and wicked. She was accused of not living in the fear of God, but rather as an agent of the devil. And she was accused
2: of poisoning several people. She also defended herself in court. When she stood to hear her sentence, she declared she never deserved it. In fact, she declared her innocence until her very end. And in the end, Sally was found guilty for the
4: attempted murder of Thomas and Sarah Forster and for the enslaved woman, Nancy. And she was also accused of encouraging other enslaved people to poison their
2: enslavers. Her jury was definitely not one of her peers. It was made up of 12 white men. Um, And it didn't take long for that jury to return with this verdict, which we quote, guilty. And we value her at one pound four shillings and six pence. Today, that's about 160 U.S. dollars. It probably comes as no surprise that
4: penalties for enslaved people were really harsh and very swift, even for minor offenses. The Chief Justice sentenced Sally to, quote, be conveyed to the place of execution where a pile of wood is to be made and provided and you are there to be fastened to a sufficient stake and there to be burnt with fire until your body be dead." So in very simple words, she was sentenced to be burned
2: alive. Her grisly sentence was made especially grisly as a warning to others who might have been plotting against their enslavers. And according to her legend, enslaved black mariners communicated the news of Sally's execution at the stake around the islands and in the North American colonies.
4: Her execution, of course, happened in public at Crow Lane at the east end of Hamilton Harbor. Today, that is full of yacht marinas. On her walk there, it was reported that Sally said to onlookers, quote, No use hurrying, folks. There'll be no fun till I get there. It was said to be a terribly hot summer day, the day that she was executed, a detail that has actually become part of her folklore. So today you might hear someone on Bermuda call that kind of scorcher
2: a real Sally Bassett day. After a word from our sponsor, we'll talk more about how Sally turned into a Bermudian legend. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret.
3: Orders, don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us.
1: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, It'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio and podcasts with the new Roku Pro series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.
4: Welcome back to Criminalia and the story of Sally Bassett. In the days following her execution, Bermuda officials went on to enact new laws that were meant to tighten control of what they considered to be, and we're quoting here, "...many heinous and grievous crimes as of that secret and barbarous way of murdering by poison and other murders, many times committed by Negroes and other slaves." Out
2: of her ashes that day, according to local legend, a small purple flower now known as Bermudiana uh, grew, and it's now Bermuda's national flower. In
4: 2009, as part of the island's 400 year anniversary, Bermuda's government recognized and memorialized the history of enslavement on the island by erecting a statue of Sally on the lawn of the government's cabinet building, which is the seat of government
2: in Bermuda. Her statue, which is 10 feet tall, um, is made out of bronze, and it depicts her standing barefoot with her hands bound behind her back and her head raised defiantly toward the sky. It's called The Spirit of Freedom, and it's the work of a Bermudian artist named Carlos Dowling. And when it was officially commemorated by
4: Premier Dr. Ewart Brown in 2009, it became the first time an enslaved person had been
2: memorialized in Bermuda. But it was not without controversy. Of course not. I mean, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: Sally's statue has, since it went up, been a source of debate among Bermudians. Some, mainly white residents, consider it inappropriate because Sally was a convicted criminal. I'm just going to insert my own eye roll here.
2: Yeah, I was doing that myself. Others,
4: most often people of color, argue that Sally was a resistance fighter and should be considered a national hero. And the presence of this statue has opened a heated debate about the nature and legacy of slavery in Bermuda. I will also say I like the idea that um, there's never a, a concept that she could have been found guilty and not have been actually guilty. Like that's not right. Part of
2: the right. That was not part of her her story. Like it's <laughs> not gonna be it. Yeah.
4: No, she was a convicted felon. Right? I, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh Sally. Hey Maria. So what's up? It's time for what's your poison? All right. Uh, so to give a little behind the curtain peek, Maria and I have talked about today's cocktail because we, we were dithering a bit. (laughs) Well, Uh, I would say we had ideas. Yeah. We had ideas. I mean, the, the obvious thing, if you're talking about Bermuda, everybody's going to go rum. So they're probably expecting like a dark and stormy or something, but I didn't want to do that one because it is so expected. And two, like there is that whole secondary problem of like the rum, sugar, and slave trade all being related, uh, throughout the Atlantic, um, and I thought, let's, meh, we don't have to do that, uh, so we went on the search for other things, and Maria, uh, mentioned that one of the most popular drinks
2: in Bermuda is Maria Tea it up ginger beer. Delicious. Always delicious. Side note to that, also a popular drink in West African countries. Because it's delicious. Because it's delicious, Um, but it also makes me, you know, like (laughs) I've been trying this whole time. I've been wondering, like with Sally uh, from Mixed Race, she was likely born on the island, but there's no evidence of that. And so, from all of the you know healing traditions that she had i've been trying to figure out you know do i place her in the west indies do i place her in west africa and so like i just like the idea that ginger beer had some history in both of those places too yeah
4: yeah it's also possible you know she could have been born on bermuda but if the enslaved population was still culturally from west africa
2: oh yeah Yeah, she was
4: raised in that tradition right so there's also that um But back to ginger beer. Back to ginger beer. So I got to thinking as I was looking at some ginger beer about what I had on hand and what might be interesting and a good way to honor Sally. And here is what I came up with. It is a cocktail I am calling
2: a White Toad. (laughs) Which is perfect because we actually looked up cocktails (laughs) named White Toad and found very little. Not a one. Uh, So
4: it starts not with ginger beer, but with ginger liqueur. And it's just three quarters of an ounce of ginger liqueur. One ounce of vanilla vodka to take that edge
2: off. Oh, that's very nice.
4: And then five ounces of ginger beer. And you can garnish it with a thin slice of ginger if you wish. Uh, But I will tell you, it's already very gingery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I like it because it has a little bit of bite, but the vanilla smooths it right out. So uh, I think the vanilla is a fantastic
2: addition to that.
4: Right? It just softens the edges on the ginger a little bit. It's quite delicious. Uh, I wanted several, but only had one because I was, you know, <laughs> technically it's work, right? Um, but I, I will forever, I will make this drink again and again because it really did turn out delightfully, and I will always raise it and uh, do a quick toast to Sally. As I think that's I, great. As I do. So that's the uh, the white toad. Go forth and make delightful cocktails. <laughs> yes,
2: non poisonous ones.